Welcome to the Rise Inside podcast, hosted by Justin Starbird and powered by Rise Robotics. Listen as host Justin talks to experts from the Rise team about topics relating to mechanical engineering, industrial design, commercialization, and innovation. True collaborations work when ideas are integrated at inception to solve significant problems. Rise Inside brings together how the team continues to work with great folks to commercialize ideas. You're listening to the Rise Inside podcast. Here is your host, Justin Starbird. Welcome back um, to this episode of Rise Inside. My name is Justin Starbird. Today, I am fortunate to be joined by Ken Gray, Vice President of Business Development, and Blake Sessions, Chief Technology Officer of Rise Robotics. Guys, welcome. Um, Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Blake, I'll start with you. Um, you joined Rise several years ago as um, part of the really the founding group um, that, that mm-hmm. created Rise, and um, I've uh, heard of, of uh, conversations while while you were still at MIT and graduating, um, and uh, meeting some of the other members of the team in Tomas. Um, how you and uh, uh, Aaron got involved, but but tell me, uh, you know, what is what is Rise? What is Rise? I mean, I think it's uh, as a group to talk about the group first, and then I guess myself second. Um, as a group, we just love efficient, effective machine design, and we're here to reimagine how machines are designed um, from an architectural perspective, from a usability perspective, from a you know how does the machine actually operate and what does it do and how is it monitored, and um, from an ergonomics perspective, from uh, in Kyle's case, a, a visual perspective, he's all about making things look better. And, you know, there are a lot of industrial machines that just look industrial, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, but I think all of us, our energy kind of centers around making machines that are just beautiful, to use, I think, a word. And um, my own, one of I, my contributions to that are my main kind of drive or motivation behind that is I have always been fascinated by biomechatronics. I'm someone who studies uh, biomechanics, in other words, the the mechanics of the body and and of natural anatomy. Um, And biomechatronics is kind of like how to apply that and how to interact with that. Um, So I worked on exoskeletons and uh, orthoses and prostheses in college. And I, I really just came to love it in a way that I didn't expect. And ever since then, I've been trying to focus on the, the kind of key mechanical interactions that make things move. And really, you know, not just looking at a hydraulic cylinder and saying cylinder, but looking at, you know, the tiny micro interactions within a gear pump and sort of what that means in terms of efficiency and, and how all those little individual pieces, you know, work together. And we've been at it for quite a while, as you <laughs> have probably heard. Um, I think some would characterize us as a uh, an independent, independently funded uh, MIT research lab. Um, and that's kind of what we were doing for a long time before we hit upon a few theses that really work, that are uh, practical and believable and have a truly enormous impact. So, um, you know, it, it started with wearable machines in part because that's what I was working on at school. And obviously, I you know, wasn't trying to step on any toes as far as uh, the machines were present at MIT in the labs that I worked on. And I, you know, that wasn't really my, my point. I was in, instead looking at how to make recreational versions 
Um, and I think Aaron and I especially got uh, really jazzed about uh, the notion of just wearable, you know, fun recreational machines, particularly in like urban yeah, circumstances. Yeah, I heard a lot about some of that today and, and, um, and the start, you know, of, of that. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that there is a, uh, I don't know, an intersection point there where you um, decided to get away from, you know, the personal wearable, um, uh, you know, projects and, and uh, go and solve, you know, more of it or realizing that there is a need um, for components in the industrial sector, you know, tell me a little bit about how, how that happened. Um, so I think that came down to, it was, an, it was an interesting kind of transition. It started with trying to make these wearable machines. And it turns out that, I mean, you've, you've probably seen, all of us have seen exoskeletons of various kinds made by companies. And they're almost as, as clunky, clunky and hilarious as those that are presented to us in science fiction. Um, I mean, not all of them present to us in sci-fi or that, but a lot of them are. And it just turns out that it's really hard to design a machine like that. I mean, it's hard to respect, you know, the, the body's needs in a sense, like with, in such direct close contact with such, you know, uh, close interactions with a person's body. Um, and it kind of comes down to how we as people design things. You know, we, we have a, a different attitude and a different, a different approach to make machines work. And um, I mean, they, they do obviously work very well in most circumstances, but it's just a, it's a very high bar to design a machine that is, that is effective and impressive that also interfaces with the body. And from that requirement came this delving into power transmission systems and sort of how to more conventionally, sorry, more efficiently convey power from an electrical source into a structure and in particular articulated structures um, was, was the focus of what we were working on. Um, so out of that came these power transmission methods. Um, and I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, belts, uh, you know, form the core of what we do here at RISE and, um, tendons and ligaments in the body can be thought of as belts. I mean, they, they don't rotate continuously, but they do bend and unbend over round surfaces, much like belts do. They're kind of like finite motion pulleys, if you want to think about it that way. Sure. Um, so we, you know, we, in, in pursuit of exoskeletons, we, we uh, developed, I would say, improved means of power transmission that we then took and basically reapplied back to the commercial sector. I, and, you know, Ken, now your, your job is to help sell this, right? And, and uh, create, you know, a market for it and uh, get, get that message out there. Tell me a little bit about how you, uh, you know, came to rise and, and how that vision, um, has really you know shaped uh, your role today well first of all I, i'm lousy at sales I, i'm great at building relationships so my, my role really is to you know to foster relationships that through a cooperative you know some kind of some kind of agreement between that the those companies and rise that we can work together to bring this technology to to fruition to improve a, to improve a design so that's really that's really what I do, and um, I've said many times the reason that I came to Rise is because I regard Rise. If you ask me what Rise is, it's the intersection of elegant mathematics and practical applications. I I really love the efficiency of these 
of of the of rise cylinder there's just nothing out there like it today and it it enables us to take a system view of machines that use hydraulic technology today and apply with the technology that these that this great team has developed to dramatically reduce the power the, cons the power consumed in that application it's just it, it allows us to do some things that frankly in my 35 years of developing heavy equipment we were unable to do just because hydraulics uses so much power um, and the other the other things i mean rise is a, rise has a technology that i mean it's a it's a fluid free electric um, passively cooled alternative to hydraulic systems and it is incredibly light and it, and it's and its superpower is in high power. So, you know, and I, I kind of go back to Blake, I'm going to go, I'll go back to the to comic books and sci-fi. Rise's superpower is the ability to transform rotational power, rotational, rotational power, really high power into linear, into translational power. And, and that there's no one that can do it more efficiently uh, than RISE can right now. And that just enables us to do so many things uh, with heavy equipment. And that that's what got me out of bed. That's what gets me out of bed uh, is the potential of, uh, of redesigning in a much more elegant way these uh, the heavy machines that I fell in love with when I was a little kid. Well, and it's that, uh, you know, power that it's been created um, in, you know, in one capacity, you could argue that it was um, discovered by mistake, right, Blake? Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't love that phrasing. I, I might have, I might have caught myself saying discovered, you know, there, there are certain pieces <laughs> of what we do that were discovered by mistake. Uh, and I think, well, I can rephrase that if you'd like. No, it's okay. I mean, there's one one element of rice technology was was discovered by mistake. I will say that. I mean, there are many others that were not. There were many no, others that were very intentional. Um, but the one that was the quote unquote discovered by mistake, um, you know, I was basically designing belted systems that were uh, more topologically complex than are recommended. So usually, um, these belts, this this polyurethane steel construction. It's intended for use in very sort of, you know, vanilla applications where you have a pulley on top and a sort of seesaw action, right? And that's that's a classic elevator application of this belt. Um, and I think what I was trying to sort of squeeze out of this material system that has these extremely high performance properties um, was, you know, on the one hand we have this this high performance material, and then on the other hand we have such like dramatically limited application of this material. And then compared to that, we have wire rope that sees use almost everywhere. So, you know, how, how can we take this thing, uh, this material that is so tribologically superior and do more interesting things with it? And that's what, what led me to design some of the geometries and mechanisms that resulted in the use of twisted belts. And with the construction of twisted belts, I quickly uh, found that they essentially degraded much more rapidly than we had expected. Um, and from there, I, I delved into the details of why. So I, again, I wouldn't quite say it was an accident. I was there with you know thermal cameras and measurement systems and all sorts of stuff to get at 
the micro interactions that were causing that rapid degradation of degradation of built-in uh, twisted circumstances, twisted spans. Yeah, let me. Let, uh, there are a couple of really super important words to pull out of what Blake just said. If I if I can interrupt you here understanding why is incredibly important. And, th and that's why it's not, you know, it's hard to say that it's a, an accident, right? You know, understanding why belts live the way they do is, is, is really the essence of, of well, a, a, an important element of, of RISE technology and the IP behind RISE technology. And it's also really important to understand that there are two ways to kill a belt really quickly. One of them is to twist it. And the other way is to sheave it. That is to, is to bend the belt on an axis that's perpendicular to the plane of the, of the belt. If you, if you do one of those two things, you're going to kill the belt, the life of the belt. But to compartmentalize this thing, to get it, to get it, to get the reduction, to run a, to run a belt through a block and tackle, if you will, You've got to do both of those things. You have to sheave it and twist it at the same time. And that's what's incredibly remarkable about RISE technology is that, that these guys, Blake, Tomas, and the team figured out that if you twist it and sheave it at the right ratio, and I'm oversimplifying here tremendously, you can get great life out of these belts and that and and that formed uh, there's a, that formed some of the key patents uh, that uh, that rise technology owns sorry I, I just think that's such an important concept Blake understanding the why things behave the way they do and that's the elegant mathematics uh, in my mind it's the it's the explanation of why things that work the way they do that have allowed that have allowed this great team of engineers at rise that, that understanding of why uh, to take that into great practical applications of the tech and it's just such a really important concept for me the why uh, your explanation yeah. of, of the discovery and how it works yeah, I, I agree completely with you, with what you're saying. One small uh, word correction: uh, fleeting. So fleeting is mm. when you misalign a belt. A sheath sorry. is the pulley that it sorry. on. Yeah, sorry. I um, uh, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I completely agree with what you said. You know, it wasn't it wasn't an accident. It was a design that was initially constructed that didn't work, and we delved into great detail as to why it didn't work, and we looked at the micro interactions of what were causing things to not work, and we made corrections. You know, yeah, right. which is all in lines of what you're saying. It wasn't just like we, you know, yeah. happened to kick over a can and like technology fell in our lap. It's not really. Yeah, you know, I've got to take. I've got to take. I got to take this long thing and jam it into a box like this. How do I do that? And that and that led to an understanding of how to uh, to fleet and twist the belt at the same time to uh, right. get it to get it into that package and make it live for an incredibly long time and I, I think that's just an amazing story an amazing story yeah it's uh, I'm, and I'm my vocabulary I, I'm having a senior moment on a Friday afternoon but uh, that's that's it that's a really great story for me that and that's why I'm here Blake you know that's why I'm here I just love the I love the elegance of that understanding and, and, the, and translating that into a practical application that's so much more efficient than uh, anything we've been able to do with hydraulics to, to this point. Yep. Yeah. And it, it really, you know, um, so our, our designs are not, nobody's going to tell you, Justin, that they're exactly as compact as hydraulic systems. They are a little bit bigger. 
they're close enough to work in a lot of circumstances. Um, but one of the big benefits that our, our powertrain uh, designs convey to people, and I guess also, well, let's say convey to the designer, that's the phrase that I like to use, um, is the ability to put the power unit elsewhere. So if you have a screw-based system, you basically have to put the motor and the gearbox on the screw, and you'll see actuators powered like that everywhere. You'll see you know, a cylinder, and if it's hydraulic, then you'll see some hoses running off it because they're you know, doing the work behind the scenes. You know, they're, they're putting all the, all the ugly stuff elsewhere, basically and they're transmitting power to that cylinder with hoses. Right. Um, for electromechanical actuators, typically screw-based, you'll see the motor and the gearbox typically, or in some cases, a, a, just a short uh, belt reduction on the screw itself, which um, is great for a lot of reasons. It means you can convey power to that actuator electrically, which is really easy in a for a variety of reasons. Um, but we kind of get the best of both worlds. We can convey power electrically 90% of the way, and then place our belt power unit uh, in, in a location that is very close to where power is delivered, but may not be exactly on the cylinder. In some cases, it, it might be exactly on the cylinder, but other cases, it might be close, but still spanning one or even two degrees of freedom. And then we can take that last little bit of power transmission, you know, kind of like thinking about uh, tendons in your arm and make that also belt driven to delay power to the point of contact. And that is a thing you simply cannot do with a screw unless you want to add some belted system that does something similar on, on the way to the screw, which that kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing. Right. Um, so we have this nice flexibility where we get the best of a lot of different worlds and it's a little bit different, right? I mean, but it, it has, it carries similarities and sort of an, analogs to both hydraulic, particularly to hydraulic systems, but also to screw driven systems. Well, and that, this, uh, you solving that and creating the power structure that you have has led to some pretty unique um, industries. I'm, I'm sitting in your office, ironically, um, and <laughs> I'm- And up, we're not. <laughs> yeah, over, overlooking a construction um, site now, uh, there's a delivery being taken place using a, um, a, a truck that has um, you know, a lift gate in it. And I'm overlooking the lab where you're testing so many of these different uh, applications. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, the partnership that was created as a result of you being able to solve um, that, that power structure. Sure. Um, so we are uh, very fortunate to have a partner in Anthony Lipgates. We really admire their entire team. Um, all of them that we've gotten to work with, it's been just an absolute pleasure. And I mean that. Um, and I think they, I don't think, I, I, they, they came to visit us basically when, when the technology was even younger than what you see in, you know, in the lab behind you. Um, they saw basically just a, <laughs> they, they saw a version of our, our cylinder that wasn't even packaged yet. So it was essentially like the right drive train, the right power transmission system, but it wasn't even packaged in the cylinder. It clearly wasn't going to fit in any lift gate. Um, and they saw that and they were like, you know what, let's, let's give these kids a shot. I guess they're not kids anymore. Let's give these. Let's give these guys a shot. Um, so, you it depends know, on, instead of it's all about your perspective, Blake. Let's give these kids a shot. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's this a great the only story. Interview I love I've done with video today. So, um, <laughs> Ken, your perspective is the one that, you know, it makes us feel younger. That's, 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 it should, as it should. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just couldn't stand it. I had to jump in there. Yeah, so, so they, 
um, you know, they weren't going to just write us a check at that point in time, and, and they shouldn't have. They, they saw, you know, a drivetrain picking up, drop, you know, raising and lowering 2,000 pounds, which was, you know, the act of it was, was uh, impressive, startling, whatever the word, you know, it, it was unexpected, right? And they, they thought there might be some promise to this. Um, but instead of just walking away, they, just, they said, hey, like, let's give these guys a shot. And so they gave us their machine. And by, by giving us one of their stock hydraulic machines, um, they gave us the opportunity to sh show them that we really could make this thing work, you know, in real life. Um, and that, that alpha liftgate that is not currently anymore in our lab, but was for a very long time, um, it's, it's packaged in a way that is very close to what hydraulic uh, packaging is capable of doing. In fact, arguably, it's much better because there's no hydraulic box. So the, the total volume of the product is significantly less than a hydraulic system when you include the hydraulic power unit, the hydraulic box uh, in, in the, the envelope of the system. And if you wanna see uh, a nice comparison of that, Kyle has a, um, I could probably dig it up too, but I think going to Kyle is the best way to go. Um, he, he has a, a picture of, of the, the hydraulic box and how it's been compressed into you know, what we've called the you know, quote unquote electric pump box, um, which is a, a rough analogy, but um, the point is they gave us their machine and we made it work. And once we showed them that we could retrofit our stuff, our power transmission system into a liftgate, they're like, all right, you know, off to the races, let's, let's productize, let's make this thing happen, let's bring it to market. Um, and it certainly required a lot of uh, faith on their part. They're really good at a lot of things. I mean, they're a real American manufacturer. They uh, purchase sheets of steel and they turn them into liftgates. I mean, it really is a um, it's, it's really impressive what they do and it, you know, they, they really do make an American made product. And so we're just thrilled to partner with them to bring something that, that is powered in such a modern way, uh, you know, combining it with that base of, of, uh, I don't even know what the word is here, but it, it just, you know, it's, it's a good partnership for a lot of reasons and that, you know, we're just excited to be doing it. There's an important, there's a really interesting um, legacy of invention at Anthony Liftgates. I mean, they're arguably the inventors of the first power liftgate. And so one of the things that's very exciting to us is now we're, re with them, we're reinventing the power liftgate. Uh, and so, I, you know, we think it, we view this as a simply a continuation of their innovative, inventive, um, culture and uh, an extension of, uh, of where they were born. And what kind of uh, advantage does this give not Anthony and then and then what does it give you as you continue to seek out industries to uh, innovate in? So I, I think to, to look at the, the impact that it has on the liftgate first, I mean, I, I think it's important to note that the, the benefit that our power systems bring varies depending on what machine we're talking about. So, so some companies, all they care about is fluid leakage. You know, if they, if they leak hydraulic oil into the concrete foundation, you know, that costs them X number of dollars over the course of a year, or it's not even accepted, you know, but so it, it can sometimes be all about fluid prevention. Um, that's not the case with the liftgate. Uh, you know, they, they didn't come to us with a, with an ultimatum to get rid of all fluids and, or else they couldn't sell liftgates, you know, um, that, that's not an issue for them, but um, they did come to us with many issues around maintenance, around efficiency, and around sort of uncertainty of machine management. And so um, I think I would characterize the main benefits of our liftgate as being efficient. So it's energetically efficient first and foremost. I mean, it saves 
75, 80% of, of, the, of the power that is used when compared to a hydraulic gate. Um, it's kind of like starting your car continuously for 30 seconds and then driving down the street and then starting your car again for 30 seconds and then driving down the street and doing it again and again all day long. Um, so they have power problems that manifest in different ways, in, in dead batteries and service calls and you know, just people put solar panels on these trucks to try to keep the lift gate charged. It's crazy the lengths that people are going to uh, to simply compensate for what is effectively an inefficient power transmission system. So that's, that's the, the big benefit. Um, but there are other ones too. Um, and I think uh, the biggest one in my mind is the fact that it's, it's basically self-managing. And it's, you know, the, just by virtue of the materials that we employ and the way that we use them, we're able to monitor the machine's performance in a way that you simply can't do with hydraulic systems. You know, you can't, assess the condition of a hydraulic seal within a rod, you know, dynamically over the course of the life of the lift gate. You know, you don't have a microscope that is sitting, sitting there inside the, the hydraulic cylinder that is looking at that seal and they will run for many years, but when it goes, it goes, right? Um, and same thing goes for hoses. Hoses are notoriously difficult to, to monitor and to keep track of the condition of that hose. And as a result, you have either people who, who, uh, you have operators who, who replace the hoses on a sort of proactive basis where they just, you know, if, if the mean time before failure is nine months, they will replace it every three months, right? So just as an example, or you have operators who just neglect them and let it fail. Um, and kind of, you know, the, the see what happens game. Um, and we have neither of those things. We have materials that are managed and used and can be monitored and recorded and assessed for their condition at all times, which is key because it means that assuming we do our jobs well, there will be no unplanned downtime. There will be no wasted costs associated with proactive maintenance. We'll maintain it exactly when we need to. Um, so that, that I think is actually the biggest benefit of all of this is, is we have machines that are essentially self-managing, right? So you don't, there's no person that, kind of, that has to come in to assess the condition of a thing. The condition is automatically assessed, you know, by the powertrain itself by our, our you know, cloud IoT system, sort of industry 4.0 system that we're putting into place to take information from the machine over a cellular antenna and it's self-managing. Um, and that kind of correlates with the third sort of related benefit, which is it's really easy to simply swap in a new cylinder. We've done it hundreds of times. I don't know if we want this information to be public, but we've been doing it a lot while we de <laughs> debug our stuff. During, during the development <laughs> process. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> Yeah, during development, you know, we, we've had to take in and put out, sorry, take out and put in those cylinders a number of times, and it takes minutes. You you couldn't do that with a hydraulic system. It's just oh. because it is fluid based. There's no way in hell you're going to remove, extricate a hydraulic cylinder from its context, replace it with a new one or or the same one, and you know, bleed the system, get rid of all the bubbles, like refill it, you know, deal with the mess in in minutes. It just isn't going to happen. Um, and it, that, that kind of just relates very fundamentally to the benefits of electrical power transmission. And we, we are not uniquely capable of providing electrical power transmission to cylinders. I mean, again, you could take a ball screw and electromechanical actuator and do the same thing. But when you combine that with the other benefits of what we're doing, I think you're going to see a lot more electrical power transmission with what we're doing as compared to with what screws can do, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I, I don't think I think you should forget this. Let's go. I want to go back to that touch that simplicity uh, topic again. One of the things that's that's a real benefit here is with the simplicity of the electric pump box. I love that. I love that that phrase for the for this thing. 
it's so much simpler to install. I mean, because what happens, what happens is it's usually a truck body manufacturer that installs the lift gate, but we've made it much simpler to do. It's a, it's a, it's a much easier system to install. Uh, the space claim is much smaller because there's no hydraulic fluid reservoir, no pump, none of that stuff. Uh, so it's a, it's a much easier system for them to install. And then I think the other thing, Justin, is not only are we consuming less power with this, but as we lower the load to the, as we lower the, as the lift gate lowers the load to the ground, we're actually generating. We're actually re, we're charging the battery. We're not depleting the battery in this application. We're charging the battery in this application. So this is the first self-sustaining, uh, this is the first self-sustaining lift gate uh, in, that, uh, in, in the world, it's going to charge itself. And I think that is a, an important component of all this is that, you know, in a mature uh, industry, you know, you're disrupting, you know, a portion that, that um, has been unchanged for years and years. And I think that part is so cool to be part of that, um, that process and that vision. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to see, you know, what's next for Rise as well. I've, I've heard rumblings and, and uh, uh, different things here. Um, so, so it's really, really cool to get your perspective, Blake, and, and Ken, hear, hear your um, uh, insights as well uh, to, to, to know what's, what's really inside Rise. So, you know, Rise Inside is, is, uh, is, a, is pretty cool. So you know, we, we, obviously we agree. We, we're, it's a lot of fun. It, it, there's, it's a lot of fun to be part of this team and uh, I'm just honored they invited me to, to be a part of it. So it's re it really is a lot of fun. It's been a very exciting time to be part of uh, the, the RISE team. And we're, we're grateful you're here, Ken, because, you know, figuring out how the, the machine that is industry and how its mechanics operate within, you know, supply chain and management and, and all that stuff is just, you know, thank you. It's, it's challenging did, stuff. Did, did you hear him say how great it is to have an old guy on the team there, Justin? Did you hear yeah, that? You I have, did. You can have it recorded. So there you go. This little, uh, <laughs> blown out worldwide. This is that's a, fantastic. That's the, part, that's the part that'll go viral, didn't you know? You know, these guys are really, I tell you, they are keeping me young. I mean, it's, uh, you know, um, you know, this whole concept, you know, you got to be comfortable being the stupidest person in the room to be a leader. I'll tell you what, buddy, uh, you hang around this team for a while and it's pretty, you pretty, it's pretty easy to be the, to be the stupidest person in the room. And if you're not comfortable with that, you need to go somewhere else. I mean, it, it is a really bright group of, of engineers, it's really exciting to work with them. Uh, and I mean that. I, I just mean that from, uh, from from every fiber of my being. They are really exciting to work with. It's a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate both of your uh, you know your time today. It's been great being um, here in uh, Somerville, just outside of Boston. Uh, you know, meeting the team and looking forward to doing a whole lot more of this, guys. So thank you very much. Thanks, Justin. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Justin. All right. You have been listening to the Rise Inside podcast presented by Rise Robotics. On behalf of our guest today and host Justin Starbird, thank you for listening. Please share your feedback on our LinkedIn page, linkedin.com slash company slash rise dash robotics.